0: Hello, Bridge Bible Church. This is Pastor Dave. I'm here with Kevin Schubert and uh, Greg Snyder, someone you should know. And uh, I just want to take a minute to introduce Kevin. Uh, Kevin, could you tell us who you are, how long you've been at Bridge, and just some of the things that you've been doing behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, so um, basically, I think we've been going to Bridge now for, what, three years? Does that sound right? About three years. uh, My wife and I, uh, Charlotte and... uh, It's funny, we actually had plans to go visit a bunch of churches and Bridge was just like the first of many on our list and uh, we went to Bridge and we felt so welcome and, uh, you know, loved by everybody and we just ended up never going anywhere else and, um, you know, fast forward to now we're getting plugged in Charlotte has uh, jumped in and helped, uh, I believe, Jarrah with a couple things behind the scenes. I've jumped in and helped uh, Greg out with uh, some of the setup and the teardown every Sunday morning with the staging and the sound. And right now we're working on getting a team trained and um, getting some of the weight uh, dispersed off some of the people who have been doing it for a while. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a very quick three years, but I'm like super excited about like everything that's been happening and everything we're heading for.
0: And you also, like, help me co-lead a life group on Wednesdays.
1: Yes, yes, life group. Um, it, it, that's honestly something that my wife and I look forward to every week because just the the opportunity to just get, get deeper than Sunday morning and get deeper than the sermon um, and navigate life with... Um, people in a similar season than you, I think is super important. And I think it's something that's overlooked in a lot of church circles. And I'm really glad that's something we do. And we, we really miss life group when it's not in session and when we're not doing it. So I'm super thrilled that, um, that we're investing in something like that.
0: All right. And most of, you know, Greg, uh, Greg, you want to just give us a little update, how long you've been at bridge and what you
2: do here for those that don't know you. I didn't know we were going to be giving dates cause I'm horrible with dates. Um, I think I've been going to bridge probably like around eight or nine years. And I think I've been um, involved with the worship team. I think for gosh, it might be five years. I don't know. Don't, if someone has the date. Don't it's before uh, I came. So it's before you, before you came yeah. for a little, a little bit. So I've uh, been here for a long time. I love the church, love the people. Um, um, God has been very faithful uh, to bridge and I've been able to, been able to see that uh, over the time I've been here. And um, I guess I'm just, just thankful to be doing this and, Uh, today amongst everything going on.
0: So with that, we're going to transition. We're going to be looking at Psalm 57 and I believe there's some uh, great things in these 11 verses that we're going to take away together. Uh, Greg, could you take a minute? Uh, One thing you do that I think is really unique and other people that have come to preach at bridge have noticed is some of the Psalms that you've taken and made into worship songs. Uh, Could you just give us a, a snapshot of why you think the Psalms are significant to you as a worship leader?
2: I guess I I look at David who wrote a bunch of the Psalms and um, I look at his life and see that he didn't have everything all together. And he was kind of a wreck in a lot of ways, did a lot of bad things. Obviously he's a man after God's own heart, but just to see his life and that he wasn't a perfect person that God chose to use, but he was someone who had a lot of issues that God chose to use. And I think I uh, identify with that. And I, I know that the Psalms were just they're written as uh, songs and I, I love to, to put music to the words. It's easy when the words are already there. Um, so I don't have to <laughs> come up with that stuff, but, um, as David did a wonderful job, um, writing the Psalms, it's just, I don't know. I, I find peace and comfort in them and, uh, putting them to music helps me remember them. Uh, cause I've never been good at uh, memorizing things or taking tests. So, but when music is put to it, um, it's been awesome, at least for me. And I hope for the church that, um, when a time like this comes or when we're a little worried or we don't know what's going on that we're able to, um, to hear that melody and maybe remember the scripture that uh, God has for us.
0: So if you're part of Bridge Bible Church, um, these are two key guys that I get to hang out with a lot. And if you don't know them very well, when things get back to normal, should we resume uh, regular services? You want to get to know Greg and Kevin and some of the other people we're going to have on this podcast talking about, scripture and just try to give our people a word of encouragement. Um, so with that, uh, keep in mind, one, this is a new format for us. So uh, it's going to take us some time to develop it, just become comfortable. I think the more comfortable you are, the more your personality comes out. Uh, we'll get there.
2: So if I sound like an idiot, we're okay.
0: I think if I sound like an idiot, we're okay, okay too. Good. And so <laughs> No fear there. Uh, and so let's transition now. Let's start talking about uh, anxiety. Because one of the things that this Psalm speaks to is Um, how God uh, worked on David's behalf, and we'll dive into more of that in just a second. But what do you guys think about what's happening right now? I mean, obviously we're not having traditional preaching. Uh, We're not leading worship into a camera. We just felt like that does not suit Bridge very well, uh, which is why we're trying this format out. But guys, each of you, if you take a minute and just give me your thoughts on what you've seen really the past week.
2: I guess the mic's in front of me, so I'll go, I guess. I don't know what I'm going to say exactly, but Uh, It's hard. I guess it's, I think I flip flop positions a few different times based on information you get off Facebook or whatever news channel you're watching. And, you know, I I feel like I've come to the point where, you know, I think we're doing what we're doing now to keep others safe. And um, I know my mom, my mother-in-law, and there's a lot of people in our church that uh, I, I would not want to get sick or have my kids get sick. So it's a little unnerving. And I feel like I probably am a Uh, most people probably don't know this about me. I'm nervous, I think in general, but I've, I've learned over the years to, I think God has taught me and he's helped me with that. I think there's always some nerves running in the background, but I think with this, it kind of adds another layer to that. I know there's people that really are struggling with this because um, we don't know what's going to happen or or what's going on, but it's awesome to know that, you know, my faith, uh, that, I believe God's got this no matter what's going on. So I, even in death, there's no victory. So it's, this is not that, um, God's got it. And I feel that's the way I have
1: to be.
0: Bless you, Kev. what, What are some thoughts you've had?
1: Um, well, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts. Um, and, and I think, I think the fear and the anxiety has done probably more damage than the actual threat, um, of the actual virus itself. I could be wrong about that, but, um I think the the panic and the behavior surrounding the actual circumstance is probably probably more harmful than the circumstance and and you know and that's not to minimize the people that do get sick and the people that do catch this thing and and have a hard time with it but I you know in situations like this, I think I mentioned to you in private conversation where our response needs to be different than the people that don't know Jesus um because when we react along with everybody else and we react the same way everybody else reacts and, and panic the same ways. Um, it just, it just, it just shows that we either don't believe that our God exists or we do believe he exists, but maybe we don't trust him as much as we claim we do, because this is the moment when we get to show um how big our God is and how much we trust him. So I think, as far as the fear and anxiety, uh, it's, it's hard to rise above it when it's everywhere. You know, you go on Facebook, you turn on the news, you turn on, you go on Twitter, like no matter where you go, it's there. And even if you go to, you know, my wife is talking about it at work, everybody's freaking out, everyone's talking about it. And um, it's, it's hard. And that's the thing I think we'll get into where fear is super contagious and it's, it's, it's hard to avoid when it's everywhere and it's hard not to participate in it.
0: Sometimes I think uh, fear can mask itself as wisdom and you can convince yourself you're making wise decisions and really you're being guided by fear and maybe going to extremes, but also sometimes foolhardiness can be masked as faith when we do things that we say, Oh, we're doing this out of faith, but they're really not, not things we should be doing. Uh, like Greg said, I think we all agree. So, you know, Kevin, you're working with the setup team, Greg, you're working with the worship team. Kevin, you're also doing sound. Sunday is a highlight of our week. And so for us to kind of pull the plug on that, um, one of the recommendations of the uh, legis- of the government, we we want to honor the government um, in their recommendations because we're trusting that they have information we don't have. But also too, we love we love some of those people that are so faithful to join us for worship. So if you're in that high-risk category, uh, we know some of you are so faithful and uh, we miss you and we look forward to seeing you again. Uh, and so let's talk just for a second, what are some things you guys have seen that, show you that people are scared maybe panicking a little bit i mean we could talk about the toilet paper memes those are lots I'm of so, fun i'm
2: so sick of seeing toilet paper memes <laughs> i never thought i would experience toilet paper memes in my lifetime but here we are yeah i don't just people buying everything and the ammunition and the guns and you know so I, who are they gonna shoot the virus i, I don't i don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's, I feel like there's, if there were zombies out there walking around, looking to, to bite my head off. I, I think that's one thing I, but I understand if people don't know Jesus, they don't have a piece that I think that those that do should have, whether we do all the time or we, we, we model that perfectly is one thing, but I know deep down that I have, I, he's given me that piece.
1: Yeah, um, for me, yeah, I, I think to to really touch on the meme thing for a second, I think it's, it's just hilarious to me, but also sad that society and the internet, no matter how, like if a meteor was hurling towards earth, there would be memes about it, like as it was on its way to destroy earth, like people would make memes, like we make memes and jokes and just laugh about everything that goes on um, for better or for worse. And so sometimes it's helpful. the memes have been the best and worst thing to come out of this. I'll say that right, like some sure. it's been entertaining for people that are staying home. Um, but yeah, I like the panic buying is definitely a big deal. Um, because number one, there's no need to panic buy. Like if you really look at what's going on, like our, our stores are going to be stocked. Like we're not going to starve. Like things are going to be fine as far as like our supplies of food and things like that. But it's, it's this whole psychology thing where you see other people panicking and you become part of the problem. You know, you start panic buying you, because you see other people panic buying. You're like, oh man, maybe I should go grab some toilet paper. And I think the toilet paper thing, like, it's it seems like an unlikely thing and, a, and kind of a dumb thing to be buying when, you know, there's food and there's different things. But I think it's just, you know, like I said, fear is contagious. And when you see everyone doing something, the tendency is to want to go with the with the flow of the current. And so... um. Yeah. That's, I think the panic buying is the number one thing. Um, and then this, I think, you know, you and I have talked privately about this day, but like this, this, the sharing of misinformation, you know, the spreading of, of things that are like, people are so quick to share a post or anything that without verifying it, you know, like, it's hard
0: to, it's hard to tell what's what's true and what's not. Yes. Because so many sites look legit.
1: Absolutely. And so the, the misinformation, the panic buying, the, you know, just a general a general lack of peace. I think Greg hit it on the head, where there's a peace that we need to have as believers that people just don't have um, when they don't know Jesus. I think that's something we want to be modeling. So,
0: Yeah, so uh, with all that, with all the panic that's out there, uh, uneasiness, uh, businesses potentially shutting down, schools shutting down. If you're, you're a teen in your home, some of you are loving it. You're just binging your Netflix. Sorry if you go to field. Your homework starts tomorrow. So you want to stay on top of that so you can pass. Um, I thought it would be appropriate to just start in the Psalms. We're going to put uh gospel of John on hold. We'll, we'll probably come back to that at some point because uh, judging by the time we could be off, I'd like to finish that before we come back. That way we can jump into a new book. We've been in John a very long time. Uh, so we're in uh, Psalm 57 verses one through 11. If you've got your Bibles, there's a little uh, paragraph above it or a little sentence. that just says, this is a Psalm that David wrote based on his experience hiding from Saul in the cave. Um, we don't have necessarily someone stalking us to kill us like David did. Uh, but many of you may feel like, man, this virus is out there. It's going to jump. It's going to grab you or you you end up at the wrong place at the wrong time. You could be infected. And I just think that uh, reading this Psalm and, and focusing on worship is a great way to start. So with that in mind, uh, Greg is going to read that for us because he's got the better radio voice. Uh, he could sing it for us. It'd be fantastic, but I don't think he's going to do that. But if you're uh, with us, Psalm 57 verses one through 11.
2: Be merciful to me. O God, be merciful to me for in you. My soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will take refuge to the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down amid fiery beasts, the children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves.
0: In Israel's history, writing and singing these Psalms before Israel had a temple to worship God in. I think that's amazing to think about. Um, we we know from scripture, it was David's son uh, whom God used to build the temple. That would be King Solomon. And I just think there's and it's an interesting note to make because uh, if you've been with Bridge Bible Church for the past little bit, we we are not in our own building. We depend on access to the school right now and other facilities. Uh, and we have just purchased land, and we are in uh, the position that we need to wait till the land is is paid off to start raising money to build. And uh, I think just like David, uh, we're following that example that we don't need a church building in order to worship. And and with that in mind, I think Psalm 57 gives us some essential uh, needs for worship or possibly uh, entry points uh, into worship. Now, Keep in mind is David's hiding from Saul in the cave. He's outnumbered five to one. Uh, Saul has with him 3000 of his best men uh, chasing David and his 600 men. And they don't know it yet, but, but David at this point is trapped in the cave. So I want to talk with you guys just briefly about uh, some entry points into worship. And here's the first one Uh, to, to, to really worship God. I think we need to embrace the hazards that come with being obedient to God. Now, now think about that just for a second. I'll say that again. We want to embrace the hazards that come from being obedient to God, because David, he's in this situation because of, uh, of God's blessing on his life and his calling from God. Remember he is called to replace Saul as King. And and the, the temptation for us, especially in this culture is we can be tempted to embrace comfort, you know, all the good things in life over obedience. And when that happens, I think the danger for us is that our worship can become hollow. Look at verse four with me. It says, My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. think about what David is going through. Uh he's in this position. He's 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 got man coming after him because man has not accepted accepted at this point the blessing that God was making for David now let me ask you guys just a question this kind of a think through can either of you think of uh times where you were you played it safe and missed an opportunity to be obedient to God
1: I think for me um this is going way back but like I always think of high school because high school was a time when um, I was pretty active in my youth group, and I really um, had a leadership role there, where I was helping, uh, doing some of the teaching, and um, there was just a, a role there that I think I had um, that God gave me to to kind of be influent- influential, and um, that started to carry over into high school a little bit. And it's not like I didn't do anything in high school to to try and further the gospel; like I definitely did do things definitely built relationships, definitely tried to live out a testimony. Um, but I always look back and was like, man, I I wasn't like 10 fingers, 10 toes in. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't like radical about it. I wasn't like on fire trying to trying to like reach my school for Christ. And that's one of the reg- like regrets looking back where like I kind of played it. I, I played the safe Christianity in high school where, okay, yeah. Like I did, I did talk about like my friends knew I was a Christian. I wasn't trying to hide it. Sometimes I bring my Bible to school um, but I was, I, I always go back and think like, man, I could have just did more. Like there was so much more I could have done. And to think of the the impact that I could have had versus the impact I did have, um, it, it's just something I think about often. I don't think I failed, but I don't think I gave it 110.
0: Can you, can you think like as maybe what held you up? Can you think about what the motive was?
1: I think it was complacency mixed with like, I don't think there was a lot of fear. Like I didn't really care what people thought. Of me, like, because a lot of people in high school, especially in youth groups, and and I don't know if anyone our youth group deals with this, but like in your school, um, if that's what's holding you back to to reach people for Jesus, fear, like you're afraid of what people are gonna make fun of you, you're afraid of losing friends. I didn't have like that wasn't me. I was not afraid of that at all. I think it was just complacency, laziness, whatever it might have been. I just wasn't. I didn't see the urgency. I don't think. Um, And I didn't feel the urgency as much as I, there was some urgency. Like I said, I did, I did see some opportunities and take some opportunities to, to try and witness, but. Those are low risk, probably. They were low risk. There, there wasn't a lot of fire behind it. And, and just looking back, I think that's probably what it was. Um, The status
0: quo, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Status quo. And I think, you know, we feel like we do enough. And I think that bleeds over in our church sometimes when, you know, not our church specifically, but some churches where, you know, we do just enough. Yep when we serve and, and we don't want to be people that do just enough because that's a fast track to, to somewhere not good.
0: How about Greg? You got any, any thoughts or anything, Any So you can think of playing it safe.
1: So the reason I let Kevin go first, cause
2: I was thinking, I, I think there's so many in my life. And I think that this is obviously not something I've mastered even right now, as i'm speaking so there's there's been so many but something that came up this week oddly enough on facebook i I made a post about trusting god and 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 also just you know trusting that he's put leaders in place to make decisions and um got some good response from it and then there was a kid from high school that really um railed against that and said "Blah, blah 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 and just something something to the to the degree of i guess in high school i said something to this kid and it wasn't in love, and he remembers it, and this was like 25, 30 years, however long it's been. Yeah, it's and, I felt, gr- and I felt, the garage, I'm felt, old. I, well, I feel, I feel terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not, I was not, I feel bad for things I did yesterday, let alone some things I did 25 years ago, and it's just, I, um, I, I think I used to want to win arguments, and now I, I don't. I think I've matured in that way. Um, I don't think winning an argument for Jesus doesn't necessarily lead anybody to Christ. I think loving them and, and being that example. And, um, she added that part about out about not wanting to an argument so Beth doesn't hear that. Right. Yes. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even try there. She wins. But yeah, I, I don't, there's just, there's, I guess, I guess going back to the thing we first started with, with David is how I relate to David is because I, it's all Jesus. It's not because I've done anything awesome at all. Like I bring my sin to the table he's done everything else. And I'm very thankful that that he's done that. Cause I, 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 I guess, I don't know. That's where I'm at.
0: Yeah. I think, I think there are times in my life too, uh, where I look back and I think, man, these are missed opportunities, whether it was not being willing to talk about a Christian band when I was in eighth grade, because I was afraid of how it would make me look. Uh, you know, I think Kevin, the status quo thing is, uh, something we all try to hang on to. Uh, or even, uh, times earlier in my life when I was younger, not wanting to, um, use money in a way that honored God because I was afraid of what it would, how it would short me of pleasure or whatever else. Uh, Can you guys think of a time where you sense God was asking you to obey in a way that seemed risky uh, and you took that leap and you've seen God bless you for that?
2: I guess I'll go. And I wouldn't say that risky, this maybe doesn't answer your question, but even tonight, like coming to do this podcast, my, my wife is a bit nervous about what's going on. I'm exhausted from work and from thinking about all of this and, you know, just, I don't know, fixing everyone's problems all day because I do some of that. And uh, even tonight, you know, I, I felt like I needed to do this, but I didn't want to do it. And I tried to get out of it and Dave and Kevin will, will tell you that. And I don't know that it was all for selfish reasons either, but... We tried
0: to let you out of it. You, you did. If you, you, needed to,
2: you guys did. Thing. You were wonderful. But I just feel like doing what you're supposed to do what God wants you to do is not certainly not always easy and not what's comfortable and not, and there is certainly a sacrifice to it. Um, I think if it was easy, it, goodness gracious, it would, I don't even know what that would be like, right. but it's not easy. I mean, setting up and tearing down every week at church is not easy. Um, or coming to a church where you have to set up and down. coming to league. church. Yeah. Coming to church in general for people isn't easy. Well, let dude, alone I was the,
0: building a youth room with the guy at Maranatha it was yeah. helping decorate it and Ta-da! Set up and tear it out every week.
2: (laughs) Back in the gym. Big change. (laughs) But God is good through it all. And um, so I know that wasn't, it wasn't risky coming here tonight. I guess in a way, there's four of us here, right? There's not, there's not 10 of us. So we're, we're, we're within the state limits. Yeah. If you're listening, big brother, we are under the 10 (laughs) guideline. (laughs) We do have Seth here, Dave's, Dave's awesome son. So we are, we are four do give strong. me a big head, please. Yeah, we love Seth.
0: Kevin, can you think about a time you took a risk or what felt like a risk and you've seen obedience uh,
1: bless um, you in ways
0: you couldn't imagine?
1: I was thinking about it. And I think, you know, being 24, I don't have a lot of, like, I don't have a lot of experience to draw from and things to, like, there's not a lot to the story yet. I think I'm just beginning my story. See but, how he uh, threw
0: his age in there to make us feel yeah, like
1: old. I just got to make the, you know, I got to let the, the boomers way. know, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, no, I think the biggest thing, man, was getting married. Like, honestly. Like, I, I like, it was, like, seriously. It was. Well, the thing is, if you know anything about me and my family, you know that, like, I'm the first kid, I'm the youngest of of three boys, but like everyone in my family, aunts, uncles, cousins, they all live like very close to each other. And I'm the first one to like pick up and move out of state. Um, and I'm also the first one to get married like young, like really, young. like I got married at 21. And, um, you know, my brothers got married, you know, thir- you know, approaching 30. And so for me, picking up, moving to a new state and and leaving family and there was just so many question marks and I knew marriage was hard and it would be hard, but I knew it was good for me. And I needed to lean into that and not lean away from it. Um, because marriage, you know, as we all know, is not always comfortable, but it's always good and it always sharpens you and it's always making you better. And I think everything that I have now that I'm happy with and I'm blessed with is because I chose to leave and get married. Like God has that, that the vine from that branch that, that came off and, talking like like Abraham. I'm I'm seriously like, but it's, it's legit. Like there's so many things that stemmed from that, that are just every blessing I can think of in my life that I'm happy with now. is because I made that one decision and and decided to obey in that, in that area. So, yeah.
0: So if you're listening at home or with family, I just encourage you to uh, read scripture and do what God asks you to do, even if it seems risky, because there is blessing in that. So that first entry point to worship is embracing the hazards of obedience to God. Uh, my cost is something, but it's, it's worth it. Uh, t- the second, I think, entry point to worship. And this is huge because we we need to recognize who we are before God is we need to humble ourselves under the hand of God. And there's three uh, indicators just in verse one alone that David is humbling himself. Uh, look at verse one, where it says he, he recognizes uh, his unworthiness. It doesn't say that, but it implies that when he cries for mercy, because only humble people will ask for mercy. Um, if you're proud of yourself, you you don't think you need mercy. You, you, you don't think you, you think you're above judgment. You think you're above hardship. And, and sometimes we see a lot of that in our, our culture. Uh, Seth probably sees that at school, a lot of entitlement. People think that they're owed. Uh, the second thing we see is that David cries for refuge uh, in that is a recognition that he, he realizes he can't do it himself. If you're, if you're at home right now and you're counting on your toilet paper stock or your your freezer, um, you're putting your faith into things that are very temporal. If before this week you are trusting the income that you are earning at your job, uh, or you were uh, trusting your position, uh, all that can be snatched away in a minute. And we need to be uh, like. David crying for refuge. And look at first one also. It says, David takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. I mean, and that's a very, that's a humbling place to take refuge. If you think of it this way, that's kind of where a baby bird would find refuge uh, from from mama bird. And if we don't see ourselves the right way, we could think, hey, you know what? God made me good. God owes me. Uh, and that's not the picture we see with David. He He humbles himself under the hand of God. And here's Here's the thing that we need to remember as a church. Sometimes humbling comes through hardship. That's the hardest thing for us to learn at times. And uh, I don't know if you guys had thought about that. If there's a time you've been humbled, that it was just a wake up call that, you know, you are you and God is God. Uh, I remember uh, Blackaby saying the number one lesson he learned as a 10 year old is that God is God and I'm not. It's a huge lesson to, to put into practice. And uh, I was listening to uh, someone talk on this issue, and he said, humility is the doorway to worship. And, and a great way to understand that is you cannot magnify God and yourself at the exact same time. And uh, most of you don't know this, and Greg wasn't counting on me saying this, uh, Greg is always a guy who was willing to step aside for uh, the sake of the team. Uh, if, if there's a better guitar player, he wouldn't play guitar. He didn't want to be the one holding the team back. And uh, that's, that's so unique among worship leaders because most of those guys, uh, feel like they've got to be the center and, and do everything. Uh, but Greg really embodies the attitude that we see in John the Baptist when he was talking about Jesus. He said, you know, he was taking some of John's followers and he said, regarding Jesus, I must decrease. He must increase. So guys, with that thought, do you have any thoughts or examples of how God humbled you in a way that led you to greater worship?
2: Because um, I think my other answer is kind of not maybe what you're thinking, but um, looking at like through the years, the last seven years, I've switched careers twice. Um, before um, I did home inspections, I um, got laid off and started my own business and made no money. We made like twenty thousand dollars one year, and uh, we bought our kids like books from the thrift shop for Christmas. And it's funny. It's still the Christmas they talk about and kind of in joking, but like, there's no way we should have been able to pay our bills. There's no way we should have been able to survive, eat. And, but God, God, I don't have any other answers. And maybe it sounds corny coming in this, in this, in this way, but I have no idea how he did it, but he did it. And so just knowing that he can do things that we can't explain knowing that he loves us and his mercy and grace are in our lives and why we sing. That's why we sing as a church and why it's so awesome. what how bridge sings together. Um, I think we sing from a grateful heart, not a prideful heart, not a heart that we got it all together. Listen to how good we sound. It's more just, just out of gratefulness that w- we come together and do that every week. Um, so I, I've been humbled a lot in life, um, but man, i it's all been good. It's not easy when you're going through it, but Man, is it, man, is it the times I've really learned
1: a lot? Um, I think for me a year, it may have been a time gets away from me, but I think it was a year ago where Charlotte and I were going through a pretty rough season. Um, not in our marriage, but like just financially and different things because I hadn't gotten my business off the ground quite yet. She hadn't really found a stable job that she was happy with. She was still trying to, you know, work out if she was doing school or um, you know, what she was gonna do. And um at the time, I was um, driving for Uber. Um, I don't know if I was working at the gas station yet, but I was trying to build my business, kind of scrapping together, trying to put it together. You're like a Swiss um, Army knife I was, there, I was, doing everything. Yeah. I was trying, I was trying to do a bunch of stuff at once, man. And uh, thinking I had it all under control, thinking I had it all figured out. Um, and in one fell swoop, I got in a car accident, totaled the car that I was driving Uber with. Um, so the moneymaker was gone and, uh, I had to figure out how to get my business working like really, really quickly. Um, there were a couple months there where, you know, and I hope my wife doesn't mind me sharing this, but she, you know, she would, she would come home and, and, and be crying. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? She's like, I'm scared. I'm like, yeah, me too. Like there were, there were points where we didn't know how we were going to get by and, you know, thank, thank God for our church family. And they stepped in and, and, you know, made sure that we didn't go without. Um, but you know, I was super humbled because as, as a, as a man who's, who's married less than at the time, like two years, like you feel that need to provide and you feel that need as a husband and as a man to provide for your wife and, and to give her a sense of security. And when you can't give her that there's a really powerless, like humbling feeling that happens. Um, and, and we just got like, we almost got angry at the problem. Like, we It wasn't, it wasn't ever like us against each other. It was always us against the problem, and we really had to take a minute where we we're like, okay, let's ask God to help us put Him first in everything we do—not um, just with our finances, but with how we how we behave and how we act and how we serve. And um, fast forward to now, like she's got a great job, she's happy with. Um, I'm building my business and some other, you know, streams of income, and and we're just working on things where we're in a place where you know, we're not getting rich, but we're, we're, God is providing for us because we chose to put him first. And so learning that we don't have it all under control and God can take everything from you at a moment's notice. I think that was the big thing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, recognizing that we need to be humble under the hand of God, I encourage you, if you're scared about what's going on right now, um, God's hand is not absent from the situation. And maybe we as believers need to set that example that, we humble ourselves under the hand of God. Third doorway to worship we see with David, and it comes in verse two, is that he's hoping in God's accomplishments and, and ultimately God's victory. Um, we we tend to forget as Christians, we've read the back of the book, Jesus Wins, Jesus is King, Jesus Rules All. Uh, but in verse two, David writes this, he says, I cry out to God Most High. He He's recognizing, one, I'm crying out to someone that's not me that can solve the problem. And two, it's not just any God, it's God Most High to God who fulfills his purpose for me. David has faith that God will ultimately uh, aco- that, that God will ultimately accomplish all the things that God has set out to do in his life. And we see in the New Testament an echo of this in Philippians 1.6, where Paul writes uh, to the Philippians, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. See, David had that hope. Paul echoed that hope. Uh, we need to hold on to that hope. God wins. He's going to accomplish his purpose and uh, whatever we go through the next coming weeks and maybe months, God's going to use that to shave off our rough rough edges and accomplish a purpose in us individually and in this whole earth collectively. Lastly, we see uh, the last doorway that I I see in this text, worship is proclaiming God to all people. We have a mission at Bridge Bible Church to make disciples and we have a vision of being a life-giving church. Uh, And look at what David writes, Awake my glory, awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. David's desire was to see God glorified among the nations. Another way we could think about that is our desire should be to make him famous among everyone we come in contact with. John Piper said this, and then I want to give you guys just a minute to chime in on any additional thoughts on this psalm. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So that in mind, did you guys have anything else that jumped out to you in this Psalm? Uh, I know we didn't break it down verse by verse. We kind of pulled out some key ideas, but uh, I think these things were what stood out to me. And while you guys think it through, I just want to say, I love how in verse six, we see uh, David talking about the trap that's set for him in verse six. Uh, They dug a pit and verse at the end of verse six, he said, but they have fallen into it themselves. It was like God's irony of justice was the the only, the thing that they tried to do to him ended up backfiring and resulted in God delivering David. Uh, So that was another piece that jumped out at me. What did you guys have?
2: I just like to use the word refuge a lot. Yep. And I'm actually looking it up now to get the, like the, the definition, but I've always loved that word. Uh, a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. So I, I don't know what else you'd run to, what people run to as refuge in this life. Without Jesus, I, I can't imagine trying to fill that, or trying to find refuge in whatever. Um, I just love that word refuge and what he's talking about it and how just the safety in that word and what he uh, offers to us and what David's crying out for. So I guess that is what I'm taking. But I think that the good thing about not going through this verse by verse is people can do that on their own and come to their own conclusions. I think, which is cool.
0: Well, Kevin is ready to share. I want to point out verse five and verse 11 mirror each other. They're almost identical. Be exalted. O God above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. A lot of times when we think of what we desire, we desire a good life. We desire maybe good things for our family. Uh, our, de- our number one desire as a believer is that God would be glorified. His name would be great in all the earth. Yeah. Kevin, do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah. I think for me, um, the the key thing is, is, and I see this in a lot of the Psalms where there is no, like there is no other refuge. Like God is it. And I think the idea is when we're, when we're in times of crisis and we're in times of difficulty, um, this idea that like God is really all we need, even if we had nothing else, he is still enough. And then, um, I was on the phone with my mom last week and, and she was just going through some things and um, she's like, I'm clinging, you know, I'm clinging to God because he's all I have and I'm like, you know, he's all you need like that's that's if we lost everything else, you know, and you look at job where he you know he lost his not not job that goes to our church, job in the Bible, but he uh, you know he lost his family, he lost his uh, his livestock, he lost everything he had um, and and you know if 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 we end up losing everything we have, is god still enough for us and i think that's the challenge for me when i read through the psalms like man there is no other focus um when when the psalmist like speaks it's always just the complete focus on god as my refuge and with all the distractions in life like how much room is there for god in like my day-to-day um thoughts and actions and i that's just something i always get challenged with when i look at the psalms so
0: so if you're a Christian, just a couple closing thoughts. Um, one, God is worth it, no matter the cost. Two, uh, it's okay to admit your dependence on Him. And uh, we have a church standing by. We we have people that might be in uh, various situations. We want to serve you. And one of the ways God provides for us is through um, supernatural means and also the believers that He's put around us. So if you need someone to shop for you, uh, w- we're willing to do that. If you need help at your home, cleaning, if you're not able to do that, if you're high risk— uh, we we want to serve you. Uh, also too, we want you to have faith that God will accomplish his purposes in your life and in our life. And lastly, we want to proclaim God's goodness no matter what we faith, face together. Um, the antidote to overwhelming fear is worship. With that, I want to close with a verse from 1 Peter 4. A few years ago, we did a series called "Shaken" "Stirred Not Shaken, uh, meaning uh, We're stirred up when we see crazy things happening, but we are—we're not going to lose our faith. Uh, Peter writes in chapter four, verse seven: "The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers." If you're home and you're freaking out, uh, man, take some time to pray and read scripture. Uh, If you're married, do devotions together. There's a couple in our church. Uh, life is slowed down for them. Their, their marriage is blossoming because they're really uh, tuning into one another and God's word together. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of his varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You guys have any closing thoughts?
2: Man, I don't know if I can add to that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, just thanks for being here. Appreciate Love serving with you guys uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll have different leadership in here and, Just be able to take this time and if you're at home, hopefully you can hear some voices and uh, connect them with faces in your head and uh, have a better knowledge of who we are as we come back together.